But they come and pick us up, and it had only been 30 minutes into the service. Like they sang all the songs, and then they just left because they had to, they went to pick us up. We didn't have anybody else at that time. And uh, I remember they took us to the beach, not necessarily the sand or the ocean, but there was a bench there, and it was dark, and all you could hear was the waves, and we're just really shaken up. And so they're talking to us, we're trying to process through things, they pray over us, and then we end up going back to Aaron's house, and they get us this Thai food, and it was so good. And that was one of the first times in my life I felt like really aware that I was being pastored or being shepherded, like somebody took care of us and fed us. And now we're going to actually go into the scripture on what it really means to pastor our neighborhood. And we're going to actually read John chapter 10, verses 1 to 11. Yeah, and, and if you're turning there in a physical like Bible with pages or you're on your phone, I'm going to kind of just tell you what's, what's happening before we start to read so in John chapter 10, we're picking up in the middle of the story. If you want to read the whole story, it starts in the previous chapter, chapter 9. But what happens there is Jesus is speaking directly to the Pharisees about their mistreatment of a blind man that Jesus just healed. And the Pharisees, they were a religious group at the time, and they were telling all these people, hey, you've got to follow these 600 laws of Judaism. And that includes the Ten Commandments. They say, you've got to follow this. All these Pharisees are like, you've got to follow this stuff and just forcing it down people's throats, and but they couldn't follow it themselves. And not only that, it's like they outwardly looked good, but inwardly their hearts were not right with God. So they didn't practice what they preached. And so we're picking up here in John chapter 10, verse 1. Let's go ahead and read. Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. All right, we're going to actually stop right there. We're going to take this uh, story in different segments. So these first couple verses, we see that the sheep know their shepherd's voice. If the shepherd goes ahead of them, they'll follow. But if it's a stranger's voice, they will not follow. They'll actually run away. And then Jesus says he's the shepherd. So that brings us to the first point of don't be a stranger. Start getting to know people. When it comes to pastoring your neighborhood... Don't be a stranger. Say that with me. Don't be a stranger. Don't be a stranger. You know, as little, I'd always hear this phrase, stranger danger. Like, you don't talk to strangers. But nowadays, we get in cars with strangers, and that's called Uber. Or, you know, we uh, have people deliver our food. Uh, that's a stranger. But it's different when you're a kid, right? Now, the Pharisees were the strangers in this story. They were false shepherds. Why would anyone want to follow them? They're hypocritical. They didn't care about anybody but themselves. And so why would anybody want to have a relationship with them? Any kind. Jesus, on the other hand, cared deeply for others. He want, like, people wanted to know who he was. Everybody already knew who the Pharisees were. Not Jesus. Now, pastoring your neighborhood means getting to know people and starting to care for them. This is not a normal thing. This is a God thing. 
Why do I say that? Is because there's a lot of people that we do not want to get to know. There's a lot of people that we don't even care about if we're honest with ourselves. But when it comes to being in a relationship with Jesus, he transforms our hearts, our minds, our lives to actually want to begin to care for people and to love them. That's totally God. Our God is radically different because he actually cares. See, God could have easily stayed in heaven as an infinite stranger, but no, he took on human form and his name is Jesus, both fully God and fully man. Now, Jesus is totally holy and perfect and clean, and we are not. We are far, far, far from that. We're imperfect. And never, never for a moment did God have hesitation in coming and having a relationship with us. That our dirtiness would ever taint him. It, no. No, nothing would stop God from pursuing relationship with humanity. Nothing would stop him from pursuing relationship with you. You see, God doesn't do long distance. We might have to social distance, but God doesn't do that. Uh, he doesn't do six feet. He, he doesn't give you the, the stiff arm, you know, holding the football. He doesn't do that to you. That's not our God. And all of this matters because when our lives are in Christ, that means we can no longer be strangers. All the love that God has poured out, poured out over us, shown us, we can't be selfish with that love. We can't be strangers anymore. And I know, I know it's tough because these days, um, a lot of us are stuck at home or we can't go out or all this. So what does it really mean to not be a stranger right now? It looks like sending a text, sending a Facebook message, uh, any message on social media really, it looks like uh, giving somebody a phone call or having a video chat. We know that relationships are not built in a day. So we start small, we take our time, we pray for these people. And I want to tell you this, even if you got to know one person, that person is going to represent your neighborhood. Because you don't know if you're talking to a mother who has kids, she represents her kids. You don't know if you're talking to somebody who's the head of a company. They're representing the whole company. You never know who you're going to talk to in church. I remember one time I talked to this guy. How did I know he was going to be like an astrophysicist type guy? But no, he was. But he represents a neighborhood too. So don't be a stranger. Start getting to know people and care for them. Now after what Jesus said, the Pharisees still didn't get it. And that's in verse 6. But we're going to start in verse 7 here. All right. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So, when we look at these verses, Jesus is saying that he's not only the shepherd, but he's also the gate. That salvation is only found through him. The reason why he says this is because the Pharisees weren't believing that. They thought it was good works that saved them. The way the Pharisees thought was like, I, I'm doing all this stuff correctly. You know, uh, maybe like things like I got baptized or I come to, I come to church service every Sunday. Um, you know, maybe if the Pharisees were here today, they'd be like, I'm at home watching the service on Facebook Live. And Jesus is saying, that's not it. See, the Pharisees imposed a terribly burdensome life 
on people. And God knew that the people wouldn't be able to obey all those rules, all those laws. He knew that. That's why he sends Jesus to perfectly fulfill them all for us. The Pharisees were telling people, hey, you got to do this, this, and that. you got to do a bunch of stuff to get saved, to get to heaven, to get to God. And he's saying, no, that's not it. That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. Uh, he said to repent and believe. In John chapter 6, the disciples were asking Jesus, what must we do? What, what, what is the work that God requires? And Jesus says, to believe in the one whom he has sent. And Jesus is really there saying, believe in me. I'm the one that God the Father has sent. The Pharisees wanted it to be good works. So do we. You know, what can I do to earn this grace, this love, this acceptance, this favor from God? What can I do to gain this? What can I do to attain this? And Jesus says, no, it's faith. Believing in Jesus. Anyone can be saved. The door to Jesus, this gate, is open wide, and everyone is always welcome. And so that brings us to the second point. And it's keep your door open. Connect with people. Keeping your door open. I don't mean your physical door, uh, but having the willingness to connect with people. And that willingness only comes from God. Without Him, it will be impossible to keep your door open. Now, if you've been quarantined, uh, maybe you've been sick, or maybe you have just been in quarantine uh, for any amount of time, there's going to be a million other things that you're going to want to do. You're going to spend endless times on Facebook. You're going to spend endless times on YouTube or Netflix watching series, a series that you've seen already like three or four times. There's a million other things you're going to want to do aside from keeping your door open. But what if in quarantine, what if when we're isolated that God wants to use us to connect with people or God wants to use people to connect with us? Remember I said God doesn't do distance. He wants to bring people together. God sets the lonely in families. He doesn't want people to be apart, even if we are isolated. And so when we look at this here, how did Jesus keep the door open? How did he connect with people? I said that we started in the middle of the story, so we got to look at what happens at the beginning. Jesus is, he healed this blind man, so the blind man can now see, but as, as I refer to him, I'm just going to call him the blind man. The Pharisees, what they do is they confront this blind man. And they look at the, the blind man and they say, who healed you? Pharisee, I mean, the blind man says, Jesus. And the Pharisees say, well, who's that? And then the blind man says, a prophet, I think. You know, he wasn't really sure himself. And then the Pharisees continue on talking to him and talking to him. And you know what the Pharisees say to this blind man at the end? They say to him, you were a sinner, steeped in sin since birth. How dare you lecture us? And they throw him out. That's what the Pharisees did. You know what Jesus did? He goes and finds this man. That's what hit me the most. In John chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus found that man. That was thrown out. It wasn't just a one and done moment. That Jesus is not just going to heal this man and just leave. Jesus cares more about the relationship than the miracle. The miracles are great. You know, free bread, all this stuff, all the miracles we hear about, those things are great. 
But you know what? Jesus cares more about the relationship, the relationship with you, more than the miracles he can do in your life. And believe me, he can do those things. He cares more about the relationship. He kept the door open and he stayed connected. Not only did that blind man receive physical sight, but now he received spiritual sight. He, was, he received salvation through Jesus. Okay, so that's how Jesus kept the door open. What about us? What does that look like for us? It looks like giving over getting. We don't make friends to get something out of them. We don't use people. We make friends because God has made us friendly. Remember, we're not strangers. When we talk to people, we need to be vulnerable and honest and transparent at times. Because people, uh, they need connection. They don't need, I'm going to say this just loud. People don't need another debate about something. There's already been enough of that. And I don't even mean just politically. I mean, people don't need another debate. People need somebody to listen to them and understand them. And hey, what's going on in your life? They need connection. They need to be loved. They don't need another person who will throw them out just because they disagree with them. And you, as, as, as followers of Christ, we don't need to throw people out just because we disagree with people. They need to see that we love them even through disagreements. You see, Jesus makes himself available to all who believe in him. He has always kept the door open. You are always welcome. So keep your door open too. Start connecting with people. And these are the last verses we're going to read. Verses 9 to 11. It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we see there, sheep have freedom. They find pasture in their shepherd. And Jesus is saying, that's him. He says the false shepherds, the Pharisees, they come only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus comes that we might have life, abundant life. In the Greek, it's called the Zoe life. Fullness of life. And he is the good shepherd. Shepherds feed their sheep by laying them out into pasture. So what do sheep eat? You can say it out loud. Grass. Grass, exactly. Sheep eat grass, but it's not just grass that they eat in the pasture. There's a lot of other things that sheep eat. But the main thing is grass. And so that brings us to our third thing here on pastoring your neighborhood. Love people by feeding them. You know, maybe uh, you came uh, into service and you're already thinking about lunch. It's like, what am I going to eat? And it's easy to think about, okay, I can feed people a burger or fries or something. But it goes beyond that. When I say love people by feeding them, we can feed people things like clothes, you know, giving them encouraging words spending time with them, uh, helping them run errands. You know, maybe you know somebody right now that is sick. Uh, they could be quarantined. They could be isolated. You could get groceries for them and, and leave them on their step. You could make them uh, food and leave it on their step. But I'm going to tell you right now, don't forget to tell them that you left it on their doorstep uh, because there's a lot of bugs and critters out there that would love to eat that food that you just got them. And... Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you know somebody that graduated a couple months ago and they didn't have any family around. It was all virtual. Maybe you could just write them a card and give them a gift. I only tell you those things because it's something my wife and I were able to do in the past couple months. You know, somebody graduated, we wrote them a card, stopped by Aldi, got a little succulent, gave it to them. It's, it's always the little things, you know? Don't ever underestimate what God can do and how we feed people. Because he feeds us in many different ways, but one of the main ways he feeds us is just what we read, you know? Those verses, the very Bible itself is spiritual food for us. 1 Timothy 4, 6 says, we are nourished on the truths of the faith. And so feeding sheep is what shepherds do, but feeding people is what we get to do. It doesn't mean we break our backs trying to meet every single need a person has. That's impossible. Yeah, we can't rescue people. We're, we can't save people. We're not, we're not, that's not us. That's what Jesus does. Jesus rescues people. He saves people. He saves us. Jesus is the one who cares for us and feeds us. If you want to change those words, he cherishes us and he nourishes us. That's in Ephesians 5.29. He cherishes us and he nourishes us. In verse 11, it says he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. He's not just any shepherd. He's not just any gate. No, he says he's the good shepherd because there's a lot of false shepherds out there. You know, Jesus knew what it was like to be a sheep. You ever have a boss that's like, man, you don't know what it's like to be the worker. You don't know what it's like to be me as an employee. Well, Jesus does. He's not just any shepherd. He's a good shepherd, but he knows what it's like to be a sheep because he has walked this earth. He has faced affliction. He has faced opposition. He's faced rejection. He's faced accusation. And I think at some point or another, we've all faced that kind of thing in our lives. And yet in Isaiah 53, it says this, he was led like a lamb to slaughter, like a sheep silent before its shearers. He didn't say a word against all the injustice against him. And for what? He did it to take our sin, the sin of all humanity upon himself. Jesus not only dies for us. I, bet, I, know, I know we've heard that before. Jesus died for you. He doesn't just die for us. He dies as us. As a dirty sheep. You know, John the Baptist, who's Jesus' cousin, he says, he is, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But who would have thought, who would have thought that the Lamb of God, totally spotless and clean, would make himself completely dirty so that we could be completely clean? Every mistake, every wrongdoing, every shortcoming, everything we've ever done in disobedience to God, now laid upon Jesus. And he's like, I'm going to give you all my cleanliness, my cleanliness. I'm going to give you all my holiness, my righteousness. It says, he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become right with God, the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That means when God looks at you, he says, I fully approve you. I fully accept you. I fully love you, even though I know every single thing you've done. It's because he loved us then and he loves us still. Jesus laid down his life for us, but he also rose from the dead, and he's alive today. That's the power we need to love our neighborhood, to pastor our neighborhood well. It takes that. Because I know tomorrow morning, 
I don't have enough willpower on my own to just be like, okay, I'm going to talk to somebody today. I'm going to get to know them and connect them. It doesn't work like that. We need the power that comes from on high. If we have believed in God, if we have relationship with him, we can lay down our lives for others. God's love drives that. You know, I don't normally dress like this. <laughs> um, and you probably heard when Christina was talking, it was actually that Mr. Rogers neighborhood theme song. If you were born after 2001, you might not know who that is. Because <laughs> that's when his show ended. It ran for 30 years. And he's a great guy. I dress like him today just for the part. <laughs> he's a great guy, but... I know of no greater guy, no greater pastor, no greater shepherd, no greater person than Jesus. Jesus in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it says Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the one that actually, truly, fully cares for us. You go to any church, our pastors are not perfect. They follow God, yes. But none of us are perfect in this room except for Jesus. If we ever need an example of what it means to pastor your neighborhood well, it's through Jesus. I look back at the story that Christina shared. He had mercy on the man that was beaten. He has mercy on us. He loves us. He cares for us. He doesn't just let people fall to the wayside. And if you've ever feel like you've been thrown out of church, ever felt like you've ever been thrown out of something where you just felt not worthy and not enough, Jesus never does that. He goes after you. He pursues you. He chases after you. He follows and, and, and tries to find you in your darkest place. That's what our God does. He's the best shepherd. He will leave the 99 to pursue the one. That's Jesus. So I want to tell you guys today, pastor your neighborhood. Don't be a stranger. Keep your door open. Love people by feeding them. Not because it's a thing you can just stir up on your own. No, it's because we have the greatest shepherd and pastor living within us when we're in relationship with him. And his name is Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and pray. But before I do that, um, maybe you're here and, and you're saying, I want that love to treat people that way, to love people that way. I want that acceptance, that, that grace, fully knowing that, you know, I've done everything I've done wrong, but yet God still loves me and he accepts me because of Jesus. If you're here today and, and, and you want that, Let's just close our eyes together and I'll just pray for you. And you can repeat with me out loud or you can repeat just in your mind. But let's pray. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being the greatest shepherd, the greatest pastor. Thank you that even when I didn't want you, you loved me and you knew me. I believe in you today and I just receive your grace. Thank you for the relationship with you. I give up all my old stuff and take on a new life with you. In Jesus' name, amen.